So I'd just like to welcome everyone to this inaugural Thorax podcast for our journal club. And this morning I'm talking to Dr. Floto, who works in Cambridge, who's written an article about the use of azithromycin in cystic fibrosis. Perhaps you could start by just telling us why you did this study. So uh, in cystic fibrosis, there is good multi-center uh, randomized controlled data support the use of azithromycin as chronic therapy in the context of uh, pseudomonas uh, infection. Uh, and the mechanisms of action are incompletely understood of azithromycin, um, but it certainly does have effects directly on the pseudomonas uh, and may also have an uh, anti-inflammatory effect. And we've been interested in the mechanism by which uh, azithromycin may uh, alter uh, host uh, immune response to, uh, to pathogens. My lab is uh, interested in uh, this process called uh, autophagy, a very ancient mechanism by which uh, cells can recycle intracytoplasmic aggregates or organelles to a degradative compartment. Uh, over the last few years, it's become apparent that autophagy is also responsible for the way uh, macrophages can kill intracellular bacteria. So we were interested because in our adult CF population, we've seen an increase in infections with the non-tuberculosis bacteria over the last five or six years. Uh, and um, we noticed that it seemed to be much more common in those patients who were on long-term azithromycin. Given that the possibility that uh, autophagy may be involved in the uh, handling of non-tuberculosis bacteria by macrophages, and my suspicion that azithromycin might be blocking autophagy based on its chemical structure, we undertook a study to look firstly at uh, whether the epidemiology in our center was indeed correct, and uh, secondly, and most importantly, uh, the mechanisms by which uh, azithromycin might work in cells. And can you tell us a, a little bit about what you found? We did see a significantly increased likelihood that patients uh, with non-tuberculous mycobacterial disease uh, were uh, taking azithromycin six months prior to first uh, diagnosis. And we did multivariate analysis. And certainly uh, our data from our population uh, is consistent with the fact that there seems to be an increased risk of uh, developing NPM disease uh, in those patients on azithromycin therapy. Now, clearly, I need to make the important proviso that this was a small single-center study in terms of the patient group. What we did, though, is to uh, look very carefully at how uh, azithromycin, at doses which are known to be achieved during therapeutic uh, treatment of patients, what the effect was in various uh, cells in vitro. Uh, and it was clear that uh, autophagy was blocked, that uh, proteins which are normally degraded by autophagy were accumulated in cells, and most importantly, that cells became incapable of killing intracellular mycobacteria. So we did this with M. bovis BCG and uh, M. abscessus, which uh, is the non-tuberculous mycobacteria that's most frequently infecting patients with cystic fibrosis. So we extended these observations to uh, look at mechanisms and it turns out that um, azithromycin is able to prevent the acidification of the phagosome, the compartment in which uh, mycobacteria find themselves within macrophages. And that prevents degradation by the enzymes that are in those compartments, which normally chew up bugs. And it's through this mechanism uh, that the mycobacteria survive happily within cells which have been treated with azithromycin. 
And we then extended that to looking at an in vivo model uh, in collaboration with Diane Ordway at Colorado State University, who has an aerosolized infection model of MABSBESIS. And under those circumstances, we, we showed that we could transform what is normally a self-limiting infection uh, to a chronic infection uh, by treating animals with azithromycin. Azithromycin is a very potent antibiotic which is used to treat some types of non-tuberculous mycobacteria. So it seems initially paradoxical that it should have a deleterious effect uh, on, on the host response to our abscesses. And the reason is that there seems to be a balance between the direct antibacterial effect of azithromycin uh, and its ability to block autophagy. And in those uh, species of NTM which can rapidly acquire azithromycin resistance, or indeed, as in the case of M. abscessus, induced its resistance very quickly, uh, then there's no antibacterial effect. And so the balance of things sways towards there being a deleterious effect. Okay. What do you think is the, is the next step? Well, clearly, we need to do two things. And the first and most important is to do a prospective study across a number of centers to have large numbers of patients and to look to see if there truly is uh, an increased incidence of non tuberculosis mycobacteria. There are certainly plans afoot in this country and talking to the CF Foundation in the U.S. Uh, to do such a study. And one of the key important things is to standardize both the uh, sampling uh, of patients and indeed the culture methods uh, uh, that we use. And indeed, it looks like we're going to go to a non-culture-based uh, detection method, so using PCR, uh, in order to try and unbias uh, the fact that they're on a different or not. So we need to prove the epidemiology. Uh, and step two is really to, from my point of view, delve more deeply into the mechanisms by which killing is, is prevented and certainly whether this is truly applicable to other mycobacterial species. Certainly in a lot of cases of um, multidrug-resistant tuberculosis, then um, macrolide therapy is used as one of a multidrug regime and clearly under those circumstances there's going to be a problem potentially because again, multidrug-resistant TB can acquire resistance to uh, macrolide very quickly. So in terms of our practice, we haven't changed dramatically what we've been doing. What we're, we're suggesting is that the current guidelines, which is to test very vigorously for the presence of non-tuberculous mycobacteria before initiating chronic macrolide therapy, uh, we, we continue that. And we advocate that we have a holiday uh, from azithromycin to uh, allow intensive sampling of patients, maybe once a year for a month, uh, and that will allow us to maintain surveillance of those patients. Okay, and just finally, what would be your take-home message from this to clinicians at the moment? So my take-home message is this, that azithromycin, the evidence for use of azithromycin in inflammatory lung disease is growing, and certainly a large recent study in the New England Journal uh, suggesting its benefit in, in CAPD means that more and more of us are using azithromycin as chronic therapy. What I would advise everyone to do is to look very carefully uh, for the presence of non-tuberculous mycobacteria and to have a very, very high suspicion, a very low threshold of azithromycin and to start culturing. And by being on azithromycin, you reduce the likelihood of growing the mycobacteria in culture, even though it's still present in the lungs. It's just really a, a, a warning shot at the moment. We can't say more than that. The other thing to say for those physicians looking after CF patients is that the evidence for benefit uh, of long-term azithromycin is very strong and to continue uh, with azithromycin therapy for the moment until we get more data from these large uh, planned studies. 
That's great. Thank you very much. It really is a, an excellent and a very interesting piece of work. Thank you. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.